and you're tuned in to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and thanks to Unsarkadalia for the previous program. Today I have a guest in the studio, Rowan Oliver, an artist and filmmaker. But first I'm just going to start with an acknowledgement of country. We're broadcasting over the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples as part of the Kulin Nations. These lands were never ceded. Sovereignty is still held by these nations. The treaty was never signed. And genocide still continues, and so does colonization, as we, as we see in various forms, including the over-incarceration of Indigenous peoples on these stolen lands. Um, I'd like to acknowledge Indigenous elders, past, present, and future, and acknowledge any Indigenous listeners tuning in today. Um, and I invite people into that are settlers and who's paying the rent to check out sites like invasionday.org that has a section on where you can put some of your resources and money towards. Um, so first, before talking to Rowan about a range of things, I'm just going to talk about some current news items today. Um, but hi to Rowan, how are you? Hey, what's up? I'm good. Not forward to the news. <laughs> yeah, what's happening in the news? Um, I don't know. There's, there's a bit, con- like... So some things that have caught my attention is the Jabarong Heritage Protection mm. Embassy. DT. Um, DT's been locked up over minor offences under laws that, I think, to my knowledge, have been um, all these, like, bail... Well, they're obviously just arbitrary things that they're just using to get him out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, pretty much, like, racist Disrespect state policing. Disrespect driving without a licence. Yeah, I think... Like, just... Trying yeah. to pull him up with anything because they don't want him around because they know that, you know, he's the, he's the lawman there and he's everyone looks to him and yeah, um, and the Andrews government has strengthened like these like usually people just get bailed out and they wouldn't be locked up like weeks between hearings, but the Andrews government have been strengthening this so this this sort of thing is a continuation of that law and order policies and this is like it's like really messed up um, colonial effects. So that was one thing that's called Very my attention. Corrupt. Check out the Jabrong Heritage Protection Embassy because they're going to be um, coordinating a lot of... Um, yeah, they're coordinating all the information for what's happening on the ground on Jabrong country on that campaign. Um, another thing in the news is last... Um, last... And the last week or so, Custer Seminar has been in the news. And Custer Seminar, um, this is also quote, this is quoting from Intersex Human Rights um, Australia. Custer Seminar is a black South African cisgender woman born with a variation of sex characteristics seeking to compete in the sex category she was assigned at birth. She first came to public attention in 2009, criticised by some competitors and media for her appearance and failure to conform to Western beauty standards. One competitor said, just look at her. The events she competes in have been singled out for special treatment in the DSD, clinical regulations by the International Governing Body for Athletics, the IAAF. She has been singled out. And further on in the article, um, this decision is more of the same old story, and this is referring to the decision to ban her from international athletics, discrimination, forced medical intervention, and decision-making despite a lack of evidence. 
Um, and there's been a lot of, yeah, really good posts on social media and Twitter pointing out sort of um, how this is linked with the policing of black, black bodies and how it's falling on someone that's not conforming to these like messed up standards of who a woman is. Yeah, so that's something that's been happening on in the last week. Um, mm. And I think, and also another comment from someone that, yeah, that I worry, that I don't think like appeals to nature are very good here because, because um, who's locked out of like the category of like natural, like in, like in terms of the category of womanhood, it's like who gets locked out of this, that category when we talk about natural and it's like, well, it's policing of testosterone for trans women, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, that's a problem, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, intersex characteristics are just so common, like, probably a third of people, really, when it comes down to it, but it's just erased really early on, or medically treated, or ignored, or hush-hush, and yeah, I mean, even when these sports conversations come up, and gender issues, or trans women competing in, trans people competing in their gender categories in sports and I don't know it's just like almost sports just shouldn't really be gendered what's wrong with everyone just competing mm. against each other yeah I think like the bigger conversation is there isn't that elite sports really just can't exist in these like strict gender binaries really I don't have any like wouldn't it be yeah. more exciting for like a woman to compete against everyone and take home the gold medal I mean I don't know I understand why they want to compete across those lines as well but yeah, yeah, some big conversations to think about. Um, definitely. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is that it's there's a lot of things happening at the moment. There's the Boy Festival, which is the First Nations art festival happening right now, and there's so much amazing LGBTIQ black queer like stuff there and. I went to the Peter Waples Crow exhibition, like launch last night. It's really fab and challenges a lot of, um, yeah, it's really affirming LGBTI Indigenous folks and challenges a lot of racist stuff in a like ironic sort of way. Um, and that's on at the Curry Heritage Trust for like two more months. That's it. Yeah. So check that out, and also check out the booklet. It has some good writing in it. There's a um, introduction to like Peter writes about his artwork, and Nuka writes Nuka Gori writes about it and talks about like there's like there being um, a, sort of a black queer renaissance renaissance at the moment. So yeah, check that out too. Another thing that's happening this month is it's the federal election, and um, I can't tell you who or not who not to vote for, but I thought I'd highlight that. Can I? No, not on community not radio. Not the two major parties. Without giving fair comment to the political, all the political parties. Um, but we can talk about policies and issues, and one of them is mandatory detention and RISE, which is the ex-detainee organization, has put out a statement at 
points out that all the political parties, the major ones, the Greens, ALP, and Liberals support mandatory detention of asylum seekers. The Greens support like a more limited version, but they still support it. Um, so check out the Rise Rise's statement at riserefugee.org for more information on that. You're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au, on demand and um, podcasted. I'm in the studio with Rowan, Rowan Oliver, who is an artist and filmmaker based in Birang Nam, who loves spewing her opinions to the public when given the opportunity. <laughs> yes, thanks for reading that, that and, I gave you. Yeah, and and starting with, I guess, that, and your opinions to the public, maybe we should start election. with activism and in the context of this federal election and Yeah, it's getting really dire. Else. This election... Ah, it's just so crazy that we still have major politicians that are backing, like, on non-renewable energy, not taking the lead for, like, there's so much opportunity in this country and, like, I can't... Yeah, it's like we're so backward. But, I don't know, people. (laughs) Yeah, it's been... And they're just still doing using their same old tricks, pulling wool over people's eyes with the media and brainwashing people and... Um, it's really sad to keep seeing, especially, you know, might only have another five years on this continent or ten or something before you have to move to Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, catastrophic climate change was by... It's not in the distant future. It's about to happen. And, yeah, it's kind of crazy at the mm. moment. Like, I, I've been watching, like, Game of Thrones and a bit of Avengers as well, and it's like all this mass media is, like, readying people for climate change. Like, the guy from, um, the evil character, he was, like, in Avengers, he's like, I was the leader of a planet much like Earth, and then it reached a population limit. So my suggestion was randomized euthanasia, but they didn't like it. So Mm. then his planet went to shit, because, like, the people, I don't know. But it's like, we're not choosing this. Yeah, isn't there... It's just um, getting scary. They're all, like, it's all heading in that way. Isn't there that... that I forgot who who said this, but, like, it's easier for um, all these films and stuff to imagine the end of the world and the end of capitalism and colonialism yeah, and white yeah. supremacy, all these systems. Or control, it's yeah. It's just easier to imagine, like... Yeah, and it's like... I find that quite easy to imagine, though. I mean... Not without violence, but definitely imaginable. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I want to make a list of all of the people. Mm. In terms of like imagining what's pos, what's possible. Um, do you think like the proliferation of of alternative stuff in social media? How is that? Yeah, the proliferation of alternative social media, I think, I know you've watched ContraPoints, has that, like, helped imagine possibilities and develops, like, your critique? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of great knowledge out there that helps me, like, solidify my thoughts. ContraPoints is really cool, love her. Um, 
yeah, contra points is Natalie Wynn, and she does a YouTube channel and like race politics. And gender, I have so much me. respect for her and anyone who is dealing with the alt right and the right and people who are being led in that direction because there's such a the um I don't know insidious evil way that people are targeted and led into those kinds of politics is um, really dangerous. So we have to be offering up our own kind of media that can compete with their allure, which, you know, not a lot of people listening to this might not understand that. The alt-right and white supremacy is alluring, but even any kind of purpose for people in this kind of like age of being a shell is like, you know, it gives them something to believe in, which is sad that something so tragic can be alluring to people. But we have to show them that there are other ways as well. So it's nice that she's like really mm. working on those levels to talk to people who, yeah, don't necessarily have it together, don't have great politics, are, are ignorant. Yeah. Though her stuff is a bit hard to understand as well. I would imagine for yeah, some people a bit obscure in some ways. A bit, yeah, I I can I kind of find her to be a bit more YouTube entertainment than mass media, and still a bit niche. But you know, she is reaching a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um. In terms of reaching a lot of people, I'm still very tired of how much, like turf talking points, are still reaching lots of people because mm. the Sydney Morning Herald published. An article by a person I'm not going to name that talked about um, the rise of queer fascism in terms of Israel Folau, um being banned. Israel Folau, not Israel the country, um, mm. like a rugby player. I don't. Oh, okay. But there's also like in the article went on about broadening the whole like all the turf arguments as an example of like queer fascism, like that Germaine Greer has been like, isn't revered anymore and all this other like, like rubbish. Um, yeah, I mean, so why some... is it so important to combat all this exclusionary feminist stuff? Yeah, it's important to combat it. And in um, what way? I mean, like, oh, so what did, is, what did like, Israel say? This football, uh, the footballer, uh, was just, just um some queer phobic stuff. I mm. can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but yeah, I want to focus more on the, the like the turf stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are in a time at the moment where there is a lot of queer backlash because we have been dominating the intellectual scape for a while. I think like five years ago, six years ago, a lot of people were really impressed with our ideas, queer people's ideas of, like, um, how to look at the world, things like that. Um, and then now I see, I see a lot of, like, not that kind of gay around, you know? That, like, kind of queer person who is, like, a bit more duplicitous and not really, like, seeing further and, like, um kind of trying to pedal back and appeal, feeling like a bit stuck out in the, in the middle of nowhere in the scheme of society, and then, like, trying to pedal back in and, like, appeal to, like, Trump, basically. Well, like, they wouldn't admit to that, but, um, yeah. But 
I think, um, as for, like, turf things, there's a lot of questions. I don't know, like, people don't really... There is, like, um... It just comes down to these, like, broader questions of gender and, like, what is everyone's role. I don't know, like... I just think... Since the 80s and since, like, second wave feminism, like, people haven't really been allowed to humanise, um... Like, it's... it's Well, they haven't been allowed to see trans women as women, and they haven't been allowed to humanise non-women, in a way. And it's just, like... I just I just think it's just still a huge barrier. And I think... I don't know. It's not like everyone it is like extremists. I think they're just worried about worried about the extreme of queerness or something. And I must say like being trans is a big responsibility and it's a transformation and you have to do a lot of work within yourself and like to be trans. I understand the whole like thing of like, you know, all it takes to be trans is identity, but if you're, like, being a non-binary person, entering feminist spaces and, like, you might be freaking them out. I don't know. But mm. in terms of TERFs, like, I don't know. What do you... Yeah. Yeah, I think, um... Yeah, there's this idea that you only battle them in, like, a polite way that I think is, like, mis... Un, mis is misfounded a word? Um, is, is, yeah, I, I don't... Think, I, I think, think the it, extreme of, like, of turf culture is, like, for the majority, like, people are not here for it and, like, they're not, like, people want space for trans people. Um, and... But, um... I think it's just these conversations have to happen of, like, where do we find space for traditional feminist dialogue or... And then, like, really questions of transness as its own issue and needs to just keep being built on in itself. It mm. is feminism, but it's not... Like, feminism is its own discourse and dialogue with its own history as well. Yeah. Um, mm. They're kind of separate. Are there things you're most disappointed with in terms of people not directly attacked by trans-exclusionary and sex work exclusionary feminists like, in terms I, of... Yeah, I think people don't really support. think trans people are vulnerable or... I think there's just a lot of, like, they just see, like, a lot of articles around feel like trans people... Like, honestly, like, people just get jealous that trans people get a lot of attention. But, um, like, it's not very nice attention. Mm. But, like... And then trans guys get upset that trans women have more attention. Like, they're like, where's our visibility? And I know. Hyper... Like, visi I, um, bringing up visibility, that whole chestnut. <laughs> I mean, visibility, yeah, it comes with, like, um freakdom and, um, and curiosity. 
I mean, it's, yeah, so, and it's, it's more shocking to be out there as a trans woman. Like, it's a really s- extreme threshold to cross. But I think also... Across, like, race, class, gender, size. Yeah. There is, like, lots of variation. Um, and, like, yeah, yeah there's lots... I don't know, but, yeah, yeah trans, trans men are the most important, like, people or, like, demographic, gender demographic of people at the moment, I think, the most relevant to our time. And um, they really need to, like, um, step up and lead us, like, if they're, if, you know, not worry about not getting enough attention. But I'm not, anyway, I don't have any trans men, male friends who complain about this to me. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's a very powerful way to be, and they do deserve attention. Um, I think I think just like it's like, as in within like turf ideas becoming in the mainstream. Like even there's this podcast that all my friends listen to called Red Scare, and it's like, and definitely there's a lot of like queerphobic ideas that have become acceptable within that discourse. Um, and it's just kind of reactionary. I think it's just like not getting trans people or maybe, I think actually there's a lot of confusion around like what is trans and what is non-binary and this non-binary future and this non-binary future supposedly being for all of us and not everyone necessarily wanting that. And also like trans politics somehow getting enmeshed into that through queer politics, whereas like, traditionally trans politics is like or transgenderism is like not really necessarily about that it is more binary and is more about like how to function in the world as like Mm. a woman or a man and like um so there's just some confusion going on there um and i don't know i just think everyone needs to be a bit more chill and like if you want to focus on an issue you go focus on it and like allow like accept that there's room for or everything in the conversation i just think with with turfs like i i'm and like gender critical people like i would be more open to their um to conversations with them if it just came from a place of love and them also backing it up with like they're not coming from a place of love they're not they're they're not they're coming from a place of like fear and just thinking like these men are trying to take our space or something like that like and like and they're building alliances with the right which like says yeah. to me they are on the wrong side they're not like a person to be politely persuaded we have to be like, actually combated they are building alliances with the right and that's telling enough but as for like yeah gender critical leftist feminists um yeah, I don't well, know. There's, there's de- always room for conversation. You can't debate someone who denies your existence. Like, it's just like... I don't give a fuck if they deny my existence, honestly. Like, you can call me whatever the fuck you want to call me based on patriarchal scientific yeah. definitions. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you, like, you telling me that, you know, you think I'm a man because I, I have a penis or something, like, it doesn't mean that I have any proximity compared to you to patriarchy. Like... I have nothing to do with the hegemony of, like, this society. It's, like, doesn't really matter. Like, in general, like, yeah, these gender descriptors and, like, in the end, I'm just in a body, you know? 
Mm. I don't really give a fuck, like... Yeah. But, yeah, um, I mean, you know, their, wanting... their, re- their political rhetoric can damage people as well. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Queering the Art on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and I'm joined with Rowan in the studio. I think... Yeah, I just wanted to put back from what we were talking about before. Um, in regards to people who are not going to, like, recognise you or show you any respect. Obviously, we don't... I don't fuck with those people, but... The, the dialogue between us and the moderates who have questions and want to navigate how we can all work together is so important because if we don't navigate with them and, you know, that might also mean putting up with a bit of, like, ignorance along the way, um, then they're gonna, like, fall back into the less, like, savoury parts of that. And I don't, I don't want that to happen. Mm. I need to, I want to work with everyone to show us that, like, yeah, it's, we're all here together. Yeah. Because so. any kind of queerness, like, is just about finding space outside of, like, it's all a reaction to how you've been positioned as a child and stuff, even a feminist or a queer person, like, yeah, we've got to all come together because we are one. Mm, we are one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so, yeah. Um, got a bad, we just got some bad leaders right now we've got to get rid of. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure, I wouldn't say we're one, we all have different. We are different and there's always going to be diversity and variation, but we're here one species on this planet and there's not anything else that we know about. So let's band together. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to be a politician. Yeah. I've actually been thinking about it. Like what are, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about activism, right? Yeah. I wanted to move on to talking about your art. You've worked in many different mediums from performance to video to writing. Um, has it, always been like that for you since an earlier age that you've been creative across the different range of mediums or is it something that has come to you later working across different mediums has been like this just form of experiment that's kept on like i'll try this now i'll try this now and like just keeping on pushing through thresholds of comfortability and like what i think i might be good at and it's usually some sort of visual like impact element going on um but I was raised in a sort of creative family, but still a bit like stiff upper lip kind of vibes and like wasn't the most creative, like, even though like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, art's cool, but I, I'm not into like kind of conservative art. I'm into like really crazy art. So, um, it's, Yeah. I don't know, just pushing through those thresholds to have the courage to make Mm. make wild shit. In terms of art that's wild, that's out there, could you talk about your piece at Personal Touch? Yeah. Which I had an earlier year. Yeah, Yeah, I just made this, like, half-hour film. I like making, like, kind of experimental films from, like, just with, like, whatever I've got around me, so, like, friends as actors and... um, just borrowing a camera, going on the fly, if I've got a little budget, throwing some people some money. Um, 
And yeah, it sort of had like a, it's like part of my practice that's about imagining and visualizing and depicting like revolution, I guess. And, um, or also like mental states that might encourage revolution. Um, so yeah, this, the first scene was, um, me and my friend Brennan, who does a show on this radio, on this yeah, network. Sh- shout out to Sweet Dreams. Mm. Later today to at Dreams. 11 p.m., tune into Sweet Dreams, featuring Brennan like. and a bunch of others, Rumi. And, um, yeah. We wake up and get really drunk and we're just like, you know, everyday plebs living in our house pissed off by the system and um, get real wasted, go into the city, hatch a plan to kidnap the richest person that we can find and hold them for ransom. And it's just kind of this cartoony expression of just doing that. And um, so, I don't know, it's just a bit of fun. And, um, And then the second scene was like this kind of eco girl who I've know from Instagram and I think like, yeah, I, I, since being in Melbourne or being back in Melbourne, um, I've just noticed the real like sincerity problem or irony problem here. People are really afraid to say what they think and what they mean. And, um, especially when it's about kind of care, I think, I think there's something linked into wanting to, present or perform privilege and privilege being a kind of, yeah, nonchalance and stuff. So as a result, like people are kind of always like dis, um, disenchanted or disinterested even, um, about issues. So I saw this person on their Instagram and she was like, really like going down to the beach and getting really angry about all the trash left at the beach and just being like, I can't believe people do this. Like, why is this trash here? Like, this is disgusting. I'm going to do everything I can to clean it up. And I just thought that was like so nice and refreshing. Um, at least from the community that I'm in, I don't know. And yeah, so I don't know. It's just about, it's just about depicting like in a kind of cinematic way. I, I want my video work to be like quite appealing and in the same way that imperial media and corporate media and advertising uses these visual tropes to, you know, fill us with, um, what's it called? Dopamine and get us serotonin and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, serotonin is harder to, you got to kind of do something real to get serotonin. Um, but yeah, filling us with dopamine hits, making it like so, um, hard to look away from, I'd like to adopt the same kind of, I'm all for like dirty tricks, honestly, because the right loves them and they will use every dirty trick in the book to get back in power. And that's why they keep getting back in power. And like the left and people who like want positive futures, like need to, be, um, duplicitous and, um, and manipulate people in order to aim and get their goals, which is a hard reality for a lot of leftists to face, I think. Mm. But there's not really any other way. Yeah. I think this brings me to a big question on what your relationship, the relationship is, but 
for you between art, activism, and also the art world? Yeah. Well, the art world is a tax write-off and isn't doesn't serve anyone other than, you know, people. You mean it's just rich people trying yeah. to give away their money to get artists, lower taxes? Artists have legacies generated for them that falsify their importance and um, therefore they their work gets value and security within the marketplace and it's just this kind of like yeah conversation credit system that means that everyone is affirming that certain artists are valuable and therefore rich people can buy their work and like get tax write-offs based on where that money because their money is located within this like art object and you can't really access the value of that um so I don't know, my relationship to the art world is just dealing with that as it is. If you're going to play that game, then you have to know what that game is, and that's an industry, and that's an income source for people, for artists. Um, but, and I don't think that has a lot of relationship to activism at all. I think that's just about, like, who is um, valuable to those people, or who can be made valuable. But there are, obviously, work within that is credit affirmed by the art market that you know is good um like richard bell comes to mind um anyway i don't stay a front of lots of things um and but i think creativity has a lot of has a great relationship with activism and being creative in your activism and um is really important. I think, yeah, it's funny. Like, my art doesn't... I don't think it's going to be so successful in the marketplace for... in the art world for a while. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I try to depict creative um, approaches to activism and also to be, like, through art to show yourself as like we all have so much power and it's diminished all the time and we're told that we don't have any so i like to through my art be this really depict this really powerful person or something that um is yeah i don't know maybe like mm. That, yeah, I remember, yeah, you had a question about my self-portraiture, and I think that is, like, um, oh, it's just, like, this way of, um, asserting yourself in the world, I guess. Um, oh, I had a... Yeah, you had a train of thought that's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, yeah, thinking about your art and yeah and talking about it being really like you like taking captive of like a rich person and that being really provocative before you're talking about that then i was thinking about um france 1968 and like the quote all power to the imagination and from there i'm thinking like what sort of art do you wish you could make um yeah, like, shout out if anyone wants to, like, fund things that would <laughs> make it a lot better. Um, there's a lot of important causes out there, but 
you know, with a with a meeting, we can do great things. <laughs> well, I don't know which what I wish I could make. Just things that aren't so DIY, things that aren't so um, on the fly. Yeah, like, yeah, that takes money and um, just like bigger films with a bit more with more control that comes with money, basically. And um, yeah, bigger things. Um, I wish I could, yeah, get to myself to a place where I'll have a, be making things for TV networks or, um, or cinema, I guess. Mm. Yeah, but it's not quite there yet. Moving back, you just talked briefly about your self, self, self portraits and then being like power in them in terms of like the power of assertion through your self portraits. Do you have any other, do you have thoughts on like, like beauty and ugliness? Beauty and ugliness. Um, I don't know. It's all in the eye of the beholder. I think beauty, um, well, beauty comes from within, but beauty is also one of imperial patriarchy's primary tools of control, methods of control, and using beauty, paying beautiful models to, you know, place importance on distractions and things like that, just to, like, direct the gaze elsewhere. It's very... Beauty can be harnessed in very powerful mm. and manipulative ways. Um, as for, like, beauty standards, um, I don't know. Everything's kind of beautiful. It's like, if you feel your soul and will live, like, from your heart, like, you're going to radiate and you'll be beautiful to someone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What What did you mean by that question? Maybe. You just felt it was like a pretty op yeah, open. Yeah. It's just something. But yeah, it's a big yeah. qu question. Um, I think yeah, in in my self portraiture, all that has happened. It's just been kind of a. I just think thotting is really powerful and like, um, making people focus on your gaze, like and on your body um, and gaining agency through that is, yeah, there's a lot of, like, to be gained in that. <laughs> yeah. So what are some, some of the big influences on how you do your art and stuff? Just, like, images of, like, media images through from the, like, 90s and 2000s and all that media that I grew up with and... Um, methods of looking and seeing and depicting film. I don't have a lot of, like, or really any, like, references that I just, like, or artists that I, like, think of as my, um, as my people. Just, like, people who, like, have done quite extreme visual things, I guess. Um... 
Mm. Which I almost feel like is pointless in saying. You mentioned Richard Bell before. Are there any artworks of his that sticking in mind? Like no, but I think his. I think the one that he's gonna he's gonna do at Venice sounds really cool. Um, and his proposal to wrap the um, pavilion in chains and stuff. Um, yeah, I like political art. I like obviously political art as well. But I don't know if it's my field necessarily. Like I'm more like duplicitously political art mm. or something. I don't know. Um, and you're tuned into Queering the Art on 3CR Community Radio. I'm joined in the studio with Rowan, who is an artist and filmmaker. Um, so, so sort of moving towards the end of the show. What do you? What's what things? That, could you talk about any things you're working on at the moment? Yeah. Can we talk about Twin Flames? Let's talk about what is what is Twin Flames. Twin Flames. All right. So, this is for everyone out there. You've been meeting people who you've, when you meet them, you see their, what they know and you feel a deep connaissance with them. And I think that can get confused through like, like, you know how like all of our acquaintances, we don't really, like when you meet these people who these twin flames, it's cause you're supposed to do something together and you have dual or complementary knowledge that is going to like, or attributes that's going to like create something really special. Like I've been meeting a lot of twin flames lately, but I keep getting them confused as like my soulmate, but they're not my soulmate. They're just someone who we have a role for each other. And you can tell like on a spiritual level that you have a connection. So you've got to, when you meet a twin flame, <laughs> you have to, you have to do what you mean and speak like, from the heart and not worry about these social things so much because like you have to do that work and that because this is the time for like intense revolution and that is the path to revolution is connecting to all your twin flames and like um like collaborating together so if we want the revolution we have to like clock the twin flames that we meet work with them together on the right things. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. What did you say before mm. that as well? Uh, upcoming things you're working on, but you want to talk about Twin Flames. Oh yeah, upcoming things. No, I'm um, just trying. I'm just trying to make some more films, and um, and like I just have a bunch of odd jobs, and I just go to them and stuff. I think I'm just trying to like. Yeah, I'm just. I just want some money to make some films, so I'm just applying for funding and stuff, and. Um, I don't know. Yeah, basically yeah. that. Cool. That's about all you have time for. You can contact Queering the Air on Facebook or Twitter, or at Queering Queering the Air at Gmail dot com. Um, we'll be back t next week on Sunday from three to four p.m.